My name is Dennis Bovell, and I'm a composer, musician, producer, sound engineer. I began in reggae music in the 70s, 1970. We formed a band called Matumbi, and um, we played quite frequently in a club in um, Wilsdon called the Apollo Club, which I believe is one of the oldest um, reggae clubs in the UK. My band Matumbi had a keyboard player by the name of Webster Johnson. We called him Webby J. He was born and brought up and lived in Brent. I think he still does, you know, and so Quite often after group rehearsals or after the group had been doing gigs, well, not quite often, every time the group had been doing gigs and that we had to take him back to where he was. He was from there and uh, the rest of us were mainly from um, southwest London, you know, Clapham Junction. But um, our keyboard player lived uh, over in that side of town. So we were always over there and then when we got signed to Trojan Records, we had our first record deal. That was in Brent, Trojan Records, uh, in 1973, when uh, Matumbi's first release via the Trojan Record machine. Trojan's headquarters were in Wills, Neasden. And so we were frequently in Neasden. And uh, I remember our favorite food shop there was a shop called Mr. Patty. And, um, you know, this, this Chinese Jamaican man who had a food shop that was always heaving with customers. And that shop was called Mr. Patty. And that was one of our favorite haunts. Apart from gigging and um, frequenting the Apollo Club where uh, the DJ at the time, a man called Smokey Joe, who um, was quite connected, uh, Smokey Joe's from Trinidad, and he's very connected with the carnival, I mean, since day one back in the day, and, and he was uh, a main force in keeping the carnival Notting Hill going, and he was the first DJ there at the Apollo Club, and the Apollo Club was um, owned by one of the Palmer brothers, or all three of them, uh, who actually were the brains and uh, the driving force behind uh, record distribution, uh, a label called Palmer Records, and they had uh, the first kind of agency where groups would get work, you know, up and down the UK from this agency, their agency, um, a man called Ellis Brary. And um, then... Uh, Palmer Records uh, branched out and became Jet Star. So Brent has always been kind of the capital of um, what's been going down for music because I'm told most of the major record companies had their offices there to begin with. So naturally, the reggae people wanting to be in the Hollywood of it all uh, went there and pitched their tents. And um, I mean... Uh, lots of record um, producers 
ended up living there. I mean, one of the most famous is a man called Phil Pratt, um, who produced lots and lots of you know reggae in in the six, end of the sixties and the seventies. Um, in fact, it was the home of the sound system Lord Coos, uh, who hailed from you know Fortune Gate Road um, and Craven Park Road around there. You know that was the lively scene of the 70s, 80s, and probably the 90s too. I would describe my connection to reggae somewhat like um, a young lad who hears a sound he likes and decides he wants to emulate that sound and finding friends like-minded who also wanted to be the next um, Toots and Tomatoes or perhaps the next Whalers or, you know, the next Twinkle Brothers. You know, these were people that we listened to their records, the pioneers. And those people had come to London, Ken Booth, you know, Johnny Clark, and would um, hang around Trojan Records or, or be in and around Harlesden, Wilson, you know, in and around that area. And so... Um, Wanting to get into that, you know, I, I I started to play that kind of music with my friends at school because first of all, I had a friend whose name was uh, George Pennant, rest in peace. He used to tease me about my ability to play um, guitar style like Jimi Hendrix. He actually once said to me, come on, Dennis, let's face it, there's only one Jimi Hendrix and it ain't you. So why don't we play? Why don't you play some reggae? You know, why don't you do some ska? Why don't you do some Caribbean music instead of trying to be a rock legend? You know, and um, so we decided, yeah, okay, switch of music because he dared to say, "I know why you don't do it because you can't." And we went, "What do you mean?" <laughs> we started this group that would play only reggae. And Matumbi was set to do that. Because in those days, groups um, like the Colored Raisins, who then became Hot Chocolate, uh, they played a little bit of, you know, what was in the charts and played a little bit of Sam and Dave and Otis Redding and all that. And and we we tired of doing that, you know. And so... We decided, right, this is going to be a reggae band. And people were actually saying, mate, that's professional suicide. You do that, you won't get any gigs because nobody wants an all reggae band. People want bands that play, you know, a bit of R&B, a bit of this, a bit of that. And we decided, well, we don't care. We're going to, um, not only going to play reggae, we're going to write songs for that genre, you know. We're going to write in a reggae style. And we're going to perform you know, using all the attributes of reggae, like um, including um, echoes and drum and bass and um, sections of just where the rhythm section would play and then, you know, stuff like that. Make it kind of interesting and, you know, uh, our style. Thereupon, we hit upon a style that's now being hailed as lover's rock. And I have to add that um, the singer of I think the most uh, successful reggae song this century and the last, Janet Kay, um, City Games, 
which I produced, uh, she was born in Wembley. So Brent boasts, you know, quite a lot to do with music in general, in particular reggae. Growing up, there was no type of music that was excluded from the playlist in my house. I listened to, on one side, Jimi Hendrix, quite a lot, Desmond Decker on the other side, Toots and the Matos, Otis Redding, uh, Wilson Pickett, Sam Cooke, and Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Jimmy Smith, Fella Cootie, Bob Marley, of course, the OJs, the, you know, the, I listened to a broad spectrum of music. I even um, ventured into the production of uh, punk music myself uh, with my production of The Slits' uh, first album, uh, Cut. And um, so for me, uh, rhythm has no boundary. The first record I purchased in Brent would have been uh, a record from uh, Desmond Hip City. Uh, Desmond uh, was one of the, the three men in charge of Trojan Records, and he had a, a series of record stores all over London. And there was one called, and they were called Hip City. And I remember buying um, blah, 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 um, Toots and the Matels. In Brent, the happening place to listen to reggae would have been the Apollo Club. And if you couldn't get in there, you might have gone to, uh, no, this was on another night in another scene, um, Betbell Hall. Betbell Hall. Also, in Brent, uh, there was a recording studio called Morgan, where Matumbi recorded our Law of the Land version from the Temptations song and um, of, of a reggae version of Cool and the Gang, funky stuff, which we called reggae stuff. And that, those were all recorded in, in Brent in the studio called Morgan. Nowadays, finding out about reggae events is, uh, I would say, 80% via social media, you know, because uh, I think the the handing out a, a, um, a, a flyer at, at the end of a dance is somewhat um, archaic, although it still exists. But, you know, social media is littered with what to do and where to go. My favorite reggae track, it would be Joe Higgs' Wave of War. Because we, Matumbi, used to borrow that tune in, in, our, in our set when we played in a, a club in Bristol called the Bamboo Club. And um, it was a pleasure to actually meet Joe Higgs and find out that he was, uh, rest his soul, a decent human being. And uh, we always loved that song, me and all my friends, uh, before we even knew or met Joe Higgs. And um, that has been, since that time, my favorite reggae tune. I listen to reggae wherever it's available or wherever I'm notified that it's happening. And if I like what is going down, I sometimes listen to Vibes FM. Other times I'm listening to RJR. 
you know, in, in North London. And uh, other times I'm playing reggae myself on Soho Radio. So I'm researching reggae all the time for my dub on air show. It's my opinion that Brent artists have had a massive contribution to reggae in the UK. I mean, groups like the Cimarons, groups uh, like Aswad, and in fact, um, the soloist Delroy Washington, who recently passed away, rest his soul, he was a shining star for Brent um, in terms of having got his thing together at a very early age and, um, you know, made uh, made a feature of reggae in that part of the world. I mean, also there's been Junior English from that part of the world. Um, and Delroy and Junior English went to school together, I'm told. Um, you know, uh, but it's, I mean, Brinsley Ford is a, is a Brent child, as it were. So you should speak to him. The impact of sound systems and pirate radio in Brent have been tremendous because uh, the amount of sound systems that uh, had their roots in Brent and the amount of DJ, radio DJs and uh, pirate radio stations that were stationed in and around Brent are enormous. I mean, you could, you could drive through there and the FM wave would be, you know, piping with them. You know, I don't know how they do it. Now they, they're online. I think, but uh, they were forerunners. I mean, I think, um, if I'm not wrong, um, DBC is a, is a product of uh, someone in, in Brent, who was in Brent, um, rest his soul, uh, he's no longer with us. But, um, oh, wow. You know, it's, it's too, too, you know, Lepke, Lepke, who run um, the DBC, a fantastic collector of music. In fact, last time we met, he pulled out his laptop and played me a selection of my own tunes. The way that the sound system culture supports the local economy in Brent is by announcing its parties. Then... Uh, People who are going to its parties, male and female, are going to want to attend um, the various hairdressing um, salons and um, then the the clothing, the clothes sellers. I mean, I believe uh, the the there is a huge um, clothing manufacturer situated in Brenda, and then these people buy their fashion, you know, and 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 it all sort of, and then they buy their food there, you know, they have their West Indian food, and then there's lots and lots of restaurants and takeaways, and then these people house the information, to, you know, where the entertainment is, and um, the DJs turn up and they play, and, and then they advertise them on their radio stations, and the local massive have somewhere to go to enjoy themselves. Well, of course, of course, reggae music affected the way people uh, dressed and the fashion and everything, because reggae has always had its own style. The girls have what they um, would class as wearable, and so do the gentlemen, you know, and um, you wouldn't go in a pair of jeans. <laughs>
for instance, you know, you'd get, you'd get adequately dressed and, and outfitted as though you were going into a palace of peace, you know, you were going to enjoy some reggae music. You wouldn't go as though you just came off a building site now. And of course, along with all that came new dance styles. And in fact, um, nearly every three or four months or so, someone would make a record to say, okay, this is the new dance style. Tell the people how to do it. The people would be doing it for a while. And then um, someone else will come with another dance style. I mean, I had uh, a tune, one of my tunes is called Lover's Rock. And in that tune, I'm actually depicting a dance. I have to say that reggae has been the platform for protest for artists such as my good friend, Linton Cressy Johnson and uh, Benjamin Zephaniah, people like that, Steel Pulse, people, even uh, the police have used reggae to say what, you know, to be social commentary. Now, um, Bob Marley himself used reggae to, to talk um, of, you know, peace, world, lovers making, you know, um, social, political. So reggae is, is the, the kind of beat that lends itself to any kind of statement quite easily. I mean, of course, there are your protest singers like your Bob Dylan and um, the occasional Beatles record or your Gil Scott Heron. But reggae, I mean, you, you think of someone like Peter Tosh, who was, um, as he was, and Bob Marley and the Whalers, and, and um, quite a lot of um, reggae artists, per se, that um, have something social to say and um, will not be, you know, put off. At this moment, my connection with the reggae scene is more um, in a composing um, capacity, because I've been composing some music with a friend of mine, Daniel Spani, from Switzerland, uh, who was a formidable musician, and we've been hitting on a kind of croon reggae, where uh, I'm trying to invoke the style of the great Nat King Cole or singers of that elk. Um, and with reggae songs that are, are quite cordial. You know, they have a lot of chords in them. They don't just two-chord reggae. So, songs that move to the to the lyrics and, you know, they're songs, but, but with the reggae beat, of course. I think Brent can lend its weight to the exhibition by Colin Robinson, uh, who has a formidable exhibition, ready to be run they they can run that in the borough give it a give it a you know a decent housing and um let the story be told